0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. Of the Podcast. I'm Ryan,
1: and I'm Jake.
0: And uh, yeah, we're back for another episode. A lot to get into today. Uh, we're going to get into Lakers Bucks, which happened on TNT on Thursday night. Um, potential finals preview and just all the hype around that game and what happened in that game. We're going to get into Knicks and Warriors and just two teams who are in the bottom of the league and and their futures and we'll get into Zion and, and how he hasn't played. But first I I really just want to start off with um, the big news that came out late this week with James Wiseman. Uh, For those of you who don't know, James Wiseman is a freshman or was a freshman at the university of Memphis um, under head coach Penny Hardaway. He was the number one recruit in the nation coming into this year um, and at the beginning of the college basketball season, he got suspended because many, many years ago before Penny Hardaway was the head coach at Memphis, uh, Penny Hardaway helped James Wiseman and his family move um, houses or whatever and gave him a certain amount of money, which, according you know, with NCAA, they have a lot of strict rules, and that's against the rules, so it was an infraction. and he did play three games this season but he did get suspended for 12 and had to repay the $11,000. How that makes sense when he doesn't have money in the first place, but that we'll get into as we discuss this topic. Uh, And he was eligible to come back January 12th versus the university of South Florida game. That would be in Tampa, Florida. Um, So, yeah, so basically that's everything that's happened within the past six weeks or so. And on Thursday, I believe Wednesday or Thursday, uh, James Wiseman informed the University of Memphis that he will no longer be enrolled in the school. He informed head coach Penny Hardaway, and he said he's going to sign with an agent and get ready for the 2020 draft immediately. Now, keep in mind, this is a projected top five pick. But basically, my question to you, Jake, is Is this a new wave of what players are going to be doing in college and You see guys like RJ Hampton and LaMelo Ball playing in Australia. You see other guys going to the G League. Is college basketball not going to be the main source of uh,
1: next NBA prospects in the next few years? Well, I think that there's – and I was going to bring that up as well about the relevancy of the NCAA moving forward. Is this going to be something that – especially big-time players, is this going to be something that big-time players view through their eyes and what they think is important in their next step in their career after they obviously graduate high school? But as you mentioned, RJ Hampton playing overseas for a New Zealand team. You have LaMelo Ball, who's actually done great for an Australian team overseas. So these these guys didn't even look at the NCAA. They went straight to overseas and actually overseas is where a lot of these players, you mentioned Doncic, who's having a phenomenal season. He played overseas. So a lot of these players and let's not even, we won't even talk about Doncic cause Doncic was international to begin with. But yeah, these yeah. guys, these guys that are from the U S saying, no, I'm not going to go to the NCAA and going straight to overseas and playing for these teams and still getting good development. They don't see the NCA as as relevant anymore, and this is a big hit with, you know, James Wiseman being the top recruit of the 2019 class. Him saying, "Hey, I'm going to withdraw," and obviously, if you look at it, it's not his fault per se. It's more of an adult, you know, his mom and 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 Penny Hardaway well, having a trend. Actually, you know, obviously with well, that, I, but
0: I, I'll say this, and and not to cut you off, but. It's something that – it's really stupid. It goes to the NTA rules again and something that I'm not a big fan of with the NTA and all their rules. Um, I I do not know exactly, and I just don't want to throw out a year, exactly the year that this all happened. Uh, it was 2000
1: – uh... oh, no, no, wait. Oh, no, I, I don't know the the year of it. But the reason why it's a problem is because Penny Hardaway uh, donated. He's under He's under – the name of oh, yeah. the well, name of a booster that's why it's a problem yes that that, that that's what i
0: was going to get to and anyone who donates to a particular athletic program or school no matter if you're a nobody or if you're have big money and you're donating big money you're con- techni- you're technically considered a booster but the problem i have with this is is many many years ago penny hardaway had no idea that he's going to become the head coach of memphis uh, college basketball team and he's helping who probably at the time i um is a, a family friend or someone who he knew and knew that the kid played basketball, had a bright future and was just helping the family move. Did, was he plotting this that, Hey, he's going to, co- I'm going to recruit him to Memphis and I'm going to be cut. Co- no. So why are you going to punish the kid out of all things, out of everything? Um, something where NCA is all about making money. Guess what? This kid could have made you so much money because of how good he is. Um, he did play three games. Like I mentioned at Memphis, average 20 points, 11 rebounds, three blocks a game. Uh, can run the floor, really doesn't. Uh, dominant. Is not dominant. I mean, seven one two forty. I mean, just I I watched out of the, I, I watched you know bits and parts of each game that he played in, and I, I haven't seen a big man this dominant in the college game. I mean, yeah, Joel Embiid was dominant. I, I mean, it's just the, the he really surprised me with how talented he is. And you're taking that away and it's just the excitement for college basketball. But the bigger picture is he won't play in a game now until, you know, his first NBA game. And, yeah, he's going to get ready now. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe he goes and signs with a, a professional team overseas and plays the last half of their season or whatever just to think get ready. I that would be smart. Or maybe he goes into the G League real quick and, and signs a, a deal there, which I don't think is likely. But I, I, personally, I, I do believe that he's just going to get ready now. He's going to train. I think there's enough film on him even going back to high school in this day and age that uh, NBA teams see the talent. Um, and there's a lot of teams at the top of the draft that, that that will be at the top of the draft that need a big man like him, and we'll get into that. But it's just sad. I mean, I I feel bad for the kid. Um. Memphis is a top right now they're ranked 11th in the country I mean seven yeah they it takes a hit to their uh, national uh, championship aspirations they still do have some elite players on their team uh, boogie Ellis uh, uh, and m- more guys that are, are really just um talented players who will probably go into the draft this year but I mean James Wiseman is he's a freak in nature. He's really, really good. And, and it's a shame that we won't get to see him, especially come March Madness time, where this team will be a threat to, or w- would have been a threat to win it all. And who knows, you know, they're 4-0 without him since they're 7-0. Um, and
1: we'll see. Yeah, I think that, again, going back to, I think it really hurts more than anyone. It hurts Memphis. It hurts Penny Hardaway. I think Penny Hardaway is one of the biggest losers of this. Not only do you lose... Because it does seem a little – it seems a little bit too good to be true as far as, look, this guy coached, uh, you know, James Wiseman and had the expenses done, you know, to to move him in or, in order to coach him when he was in high school. And it just seems a little bit too good to be true how he became head coach and recruited this guy. But aside from that, really, I mean, you talk about Memphis can still – I mean, you talk about how – rigid and, and not rigid but more uh you know strict the rules are for the NCA and and the fact that the you know Memphis can still get punished in some way, shape or form. The school and Penny Hardaway can still face some suspension of some sort. Uh but again you lose a big recruit and again it hasn't really showed up in the in the record thus far, which is good. But come March Madness Again, this is not good for the NCA in terms of relevancy, as I've said before. And let's not – you know, th- this shouldn't go and notice the fact that another big-time star in-, in Cole Anthony is also out with injury right now. He might not want to suit up, or he might not want to come out for the rest of the season. So that's another projected top five pick yeah. that might not want to come come out yeah. and play. Yeah. So that takes a big hit on on March Madness. And, of course, it- I mean, any, any non – even even non professional sports uh non non sports fans that that watch college basketball and watch march madness, uh, you know, there's people who fill out brackets that don't necessarily watch sports. It's it's a it's a wide known phenomenon to play brackets and and it generates revenue for for college basketball and the NCAA in general, but with all these stars not being in it and it just it it, go, it just it's really questioning relevancy in the future of the NCAA and if big-time players are really going to want to play in it because the only top five projected pick that's that looks like he's going to play out the rest of the season is Anthony Edwards who's having a great season for the Bulldogs but it really just questions yeah. if w- the future of the NCA. For me though you know it,
0: it seems like the NCAA they took a step and, and they're going to start paying coll- or not paying college athletes but college athletes will be able to get some form of payment off their name and stuff and but this just it seems like it takes a step back um and yeah as much as it affects Penny Hardaway it affects Memphis and all that but it really affects James Wiseman I mean it's a learning experience it's something that when you go to college not only just you know just being in the national spotlight as a player it prepares you for going into the NBA and now I mean he's gonna be out of the spotlight for a little bit yeah it could be good for him but I think just the whole experience itself would have been good for him to to be in yeah he's going to deal with adversity now or whatever he's already dealing with it but it, it would have been nice for him to play it's something that is a shame and a, a really unique talent but guess what I'm excited to see him in the NBA and um yeah I mean now I really that transitions into our next topic unless you have anything else to say but with teams needing him in the draft. And that's something that we want to talk about next. And that's the Warriors and the Knicks. And a question that I've really, you know, thought about and, and stuff, and me and you have talked about off uh, off air is who has the brighter future? The Warrior, the, the Golden State Warriors or the New York Knicks. Right now the Warriors are four and – uh no, hold on. The, the Knicks are 27 – they're seven and 21, and the Warriors are – help me out here well be- besides that um <laughs> basically what I wanted to get to is who has the brighter future obviously the Knicks they just fired David Fisdale um they are gonna I guess build around RJ Barrett Kevin Knox Mitchell Robinson um and it's a team that really has a lot of questions around it uh Concerning what is their future, where where do they go from here? Uh, by the way, the Warriors are five and twenty four, so there's yeah. that. But mm-hmm. um, the Warriors, you have you you have Clay and stuff out this year, uh, so you're going to get them back next year. You still do have D'Angelo Russell, you have Draymond Green, but the question
1: I ask to you now is, who does have the brighter future, the Warriors or the Knicks? Well, to me, it's a no brainer. I think the Warriors, if you've listened to our previous podcast, we've ridiculed the Knicks and how their front office is atrocious and the fact that they have no plan intact in order to get the Knicks back on their feet. And it's really sad over there. But I think that if you look at the Warriors, they do have pieces that – are still intact. They they still have pieces, even though they're going to have guys that are coming back next season that won't be back for the rest of the season this year. And, you know, you're going to get Steph Curry back eventually. Who knows if they're going to play on this year? I suppose they will. Um, but you really don't have any need to play him, considering that, you know, the, the, the Warriors are just not doing well this season, but you look at a Warriors team that was projected to maybe be a, I had them as, a fifth, sixth seed this year. You you look at Kevin Durant obviously leaving the team, and that was pretty much the only – it's a big-time piece, but really well, the also, whole – Also, they, they knew
0: Clay would be out um, Well, that's most it. of the year, if not all the year. So that's two big-time pieces right there, but I understand what you're saying.
1: It is. But, again, I think that you compare from and, – and we've talked about this before, even off – off air and you start from the top and Joe Lacob as we know has a winning class organization in the in the Golden State Warriors and then you have a great coach in Steve Kerr so you have a lot of pieces there that are intact obviously you don't have clay right now and obviously Steph went out with that that hand surgery that he that he had but you still have pieces intact and we've always talked about speaking of James wise, and we've always talked about, look, the Warriors need a five, even when they were going through their winning days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They they never, yeah. They never had that big piece. And also something that you can
0: throw out there is how about they don't use, how about they use that pick and pair it with D'Angelo Russell and they go get another star. And all of a sudden you're back to where you just were last year with, a super team. I mean, you could really pair a top five pick in D'Angelo Russell, who's still very, very young in his early twenties. You're getting Clay back. You're getting Steph back next year. You're still going to have Draymond. They're all yeah. They're all going to be a little older, but they're still you know, Steph and Clay are still going to be Steph and Clay. Draymond, he's still going to be Draymond. And all of a sudden, you go and 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 go and look at a team who who is interested in maybe restarting or whatever, and they trade for that and they get their star and they're back contenders next year competing with the Lakers, the Clippers, the Rockets, and all the top teams in the West. And just like that, they're back in contention opposite of the Knicks. And, and I'll try to play Zack advocate here because we both agree that the Warriors do have um, the brighter future, but the Knicks do have RJ Barrett. Um, he's looked okay. I mean, not like the best jerky, obviously, We've talked about rookies and and John Morant, Kendrick Nunn, but John Morant has really looked good. Uh, They have Kevin Knox, uh, not this past year, but the year before, first-round pick. They have Mitchell Robinson, who was a second-round pick, who was a great find by them, and that's rare to say for the Knicks. Uh, RJ Barrett averaging about 14 points, five rebounds, three assists. I think those numbers will need to come up. But then again, he's on a team that just – well, he's a rookie. I think he'll develop over time. Um, the Knicks haven't made the playoffs since 2012, 2013. They really just, I mean, they've they've gone through so many coaches since then and before then, and we've detailed this on, um, we've talked about this on previous episodes and previous podcasts or whatever, and we basically went on a whole rant about the Knicks. But you could make an argument, hey, they have all these young pieces in the long, long term. I mean, you look five years down, they could be the brighter because the Warriors, they go in and, and let's say they trade D'Lo and a pick or whatever, you know, their window really is only up until five years. And then Steph will get in his mid 30s. Clay will get in his, mid. you know, their guys will get older. So it's an interesting argument to think about. The Knicks also, I think the biggest question of anything is who's their next head coach? Because right now they don't have one. Um just recently, this past week, also, they did hire a former Cavs coach and Euro, uh, one of the greatest EuroLeague coaches of all time, uh, David Blatt, and he's not going to be a, a coach, he's going to be an assistant in the in the front office, and they do say that this is not a, a plot to make him the next coach next year or whatever, that he's going to strictly just be um, in the front office, but who knows, maybe he does come back and coach. I don't think he would be a bad coach for them, but who's going to go on a coach in New York. So there's a lot of questions there more so than with the Warriors. or so the Warriors, you know, you're going to get clay back. You know, you're going to get stuff back, even if they do pick that. And let's say they do have a top pick and, and they pick Wiseman, they pick someone else. You're going to have D'Lo there. I mean, you, you have a lot of guys and not, not to mention also, they do have a lot of young guys. Also Jordan Poole, Kevin Looney, uh, Marquise Chris, and I think the, Biggest one out of all of them, Eric Pascal,
1: who's been great this season. I I think that's a great point because they've been – while these guys have been out, like Curry and Clay, they've been able to develop these great young players like Pascal and Poole and all these other young guys. So that's a big plus for the Warriors. Also, I think it's a great thing to point out that, as I've reiterated before, they are intact. They are – they do have – A plan a future ahead of them the Knicks don't have a plan or future ahead of them and it all starts I mean they don't even have a coach right now so yeah I mean they're you know and then and then you talk about hey they have this guy and they they have this guy and they have all these other pieces right now that they don't first of all they don't know how to develop a system in order to benefit for these guys but also it's like if they're trying to trade for one of these guys I mean they're going to screw it up they haven't you know, yeah, they're, they're, there's they're... no
0: direction right now, um, and we said this, we'll say it over and over, I think it starts from the top down, um, and obviously you can't get rid of the owner, James Dolan, but you can get rid of the guys below him, uh, Steve Mills and, and guys like that in the front office, and I think it's a total uh, rebuild there, and listen, they've already started it. I think Kevin Knox is a good piece, R.J. Barrett. He, you know, I think over time he'll he'll get really good. Mitchell Robinson has been great for them uh, already, so I think they just need to start finding pieces. And and also, they have a lot of guys at the same position. Julius Randall, uh Taj Gibson, you know, just guys like that. Like, there's no need for them. I think Julius Randle you can use as a trade piece and go get another nice piece back, hopefully, even though his contract is kind
1: of, you know, they signed him to a lot of money, but it should be interesting to see. For sure. I think it's it'll be interesting to see, but they haven't, they don't have a good track record of trading for, for guys and, and making good deals that'll, be, that'll benefit the team, so I'm not sure where they're headed, but it all starts from the top, as we've reiterated um, again and again, but it also has to do a lot with their drafting. As I've as I've said in the past, their drafting is sort of – we've talked about R.J. Barrett, how he was sort of the guy for them, and if they didn't pick him, then it would have been pretty much a disaster. It would have been like, what, you know, what are they doing in New York right now? But it all starts from the top and, and what they're – their mission is, we don't know, but we'll have to see down the line. But for me, the the answer is clear. It's the Golden State Warriors for me. Yeah, I mean,
0: I think, though, the Warriors, that, the reason I – and I'll, I'll go back to this point one more time. I, I do say that they could possibly trade it because they don't need a guard. And this, this draft, at least the top of this draft, is very guard-heavy with Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, uh, Cole Anthony, guys like that. Yeah, um, so it's a risk. It's a so, risk with,
1: with getting Wiseman because I think they need
0: him. Yeah, so, but getting Wiseman, you would, I think, need a top three pick for sure, and who even knows, maybe he goes number one, whoever has the number one pick, if that's the Knicks, if that's the Cavs, whoever that is. So, to me, I think it's the better off of trading him and D'Angelo Russell and getting another very uh, big-time player back, And uh, but who knows, we'll, we'll see, and, and we'll talk about this more, you know, the draft and everything, as uh, it approaches closer, but... I want to get into our next topic and two teams who are definitely not struggling and, and are championship contenders at right now, and who do have the best two records in the league are the Lakers and Bucks. They did play on TNT primetime game on Thursday night, probably the most anticipated game so far of this NBA season. Uh, throughout the league, uh, everyone you know from players in the league to former player, I mean, everyone was just excited for this matchup and something that uh, I think more so for at least in my opinion for the Bucks then the, the Lakers was more of a, a test and a challenge. And the Bucks did end up winning 111-104. to 104. Uh, They did, for most of the game, had a had a big 10-plus uh, point lead for most of the game. The Lakers did come back at the end, kind of make it close. But who do you think that – my question to you is, who do you think this said more about?
1: Did it say more about the Lakers, or did it say more about the Bucks? I think, personally, it said more about the Bucs because – in specifics, I think I'm going to go with Giannis and and put his name out there because, look, this guy—I mentioned it last podcast ep- episode, I believe. This guy has a legitimate chance to win MVP this year because I think if you look closely at what he was able to do last night, and I, I don't even think—I don't even think—I think everyone got the the message from Giannis that. Look, he he could be a threat from the three-point line. He went five for eight from the three-point line to go along with 34 points and 11 rebounds. His three-point shooting along with other bucks like George Hill, Wesley Matthews, they knocked down some threes as well. But Giannis's three-point shooting, we've talked about, he's a guy that if he gets a, a jump shot, a reliable jump shot that he can go to, will be one of the most unstoppable, if not the, the most unstoppable, player in the league I'll even put up him up there with Harden honestly um even though Harden's doing really well this season averaging like 40 points but Giannis with his three-point shooting I think they made a statement I think they made a statement as well that they're they're not messing around defensively they held the Lakers to 17 points they also caused like 18 turnovers and showed uh you know in terms of LeBron, LeBron caused some turnovers late in the game that I think got, went unnoticed a little bit. And I think that that was a big reason why they were able to keep, uh, you know, keep the momentum on their side, so to speak, even though the Lakers made a run towards the end, like you said. But they've shown that they're a very well-balanced team on the offensive and and on the defensive end. And uh, I think that, that them, them able to hold the Lakers for that amount of time and to – Explode in terms of their offense in the in the in the first half was was huge. You talk about five guys in, in double in double figures, including Giannis. You have George Hill with twenty one, Chris Middleton with fifteen, Wesley Matthews thirteen, and Brooke Lopez with ten. So five guys in double figures with, for them yesterday, and I think that it said more about them in terms of you look at two 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 teams that are that are 20 games above 500. So I think that it said more about them in terms of yeah. just their, their, sure. their willpower last night. Well, yeah, and, and to, to talk about the Lakers, the
0: thing that really concerns me is their depth. And, and you have AD scored 36, LeBron triple-double 21 points. You know what you're going to get from them. Okay, Danny Green did good 21 points. Will uh, Pope, 18. But then after that, after that 18 points...
1: It drops off.
0: It doesn't... I mean, your next highest scorer is Javell McGee. And you want to know how many points he had? He had four points. Uh, Rajon Rondo, two points. Um, and he really didn't do much besides that. He had three assists. It's not even like he was having a high assist. I mean, he had more... Turnovers, then he didn't assist with five. Uh, Avery Bradley, zero points. Alex Caruso, zero points. Uh, you know, just guys like that that you need to expect to at least get seven, eight points a game, nine points a game, and it, it was concerning. But at, at the end of the day, yeah, it, it did show the Bucks. Obviously, yeah, they were at home. Um, I think I would have – pr- I probably would have picked them if we did a, a – if we would have predicted this beforehand just because they were at home or whatever, um, but – Another thing that was big to me was they did out-rebound the Lakers, which Lakers are such a big team, and they did out-rebound them by two, uh, which I think is, is something that's big time. But for the Bucks, I mean, it's it, it shows that they can compete with the, these top teams in the West, and come June, you know, pending that they come out of the East, which it lo- as of right now, it looks like they're far and superior, everyone else in the East, Um that they'll be able to compete with the Lakers. They'll be able to compete compete with the Clippers, you know, with the Rockets, you know, make a a run. And last night that that was another great game, which we're not really going to get into, but I mean, that was, I watched that game. I mean, the Rockets came back. uh, I think something to point out from that game real quick is how, when James Harden finally didn't decide to just dribble the whole game and, and let Russell Westbrook facilitate, let all these other guys, and, and it really facilitated a comeback for them and, and, was just a great game. But getting back to this game, I think there's some cause for concerns for the Lakers, but it's nothing in in the long term that they're going to worry about. I think they do need maybe one more piece. Um, that's why Andre Iguodala is such a big, you know, thing that will happen come, you know, within the next... Uh, two months or so, even month, really, because the trade level ends at the beginning of February were already at the end of December. So it's something that, you know, a guy like Andre Kodala or stuff like that just to deepen their bench because even just to get through the Western Conference, they're going to have to go through, you know, maybe the Rockets or they're going to have to go definitely probably, you know, uh, meet the uh, Clippers in the conference finals. And the Clippers are such a deep team. So AD and LeBron, yeah, they're going to put up, and we talked about this last week when they played the Heat, they're going to put up their numbers, but then after that, who's the who's the next guy who's going to step up? And and Danny Green, you know, he you know in the playoffs he's always going to step up. But also after Danny, you know, it's like who else is going to score? You know, ten to fifteen points a game for them that can keep up the
1: offense, and at the same time, they do play good defense. For me, I think that you just don't need to add just any player. I think if you if you agree with me, I think they need another perimeter shooter to go along with Danny Green because you look at the Bucks last night and even if they weren't able to produce last night, like let's take a guy like Kyle Korver who's who's aging but mm-hmm. he's a he's a he's a known perimeter shooter but look, Brook Lopez, Wesley Matthews, Giannis was hitting threes last night. And I think that's the biggest of anything out of this whole
0: out of this whole game. The biggest storyline: Giannis hitting five threes. Yes, is he going to do that every night? No, but if he can hit two to three, three two to three three pointers a game consistently, it changes the whole dynamic. And you can't just you you need to change your whole defense that you're going to play around him, and especially come playoff time. Um, you can't play off him anymore. And all of a sudden, if you have to step up on him, guess what he's going to do? He's going to drive right by you. He's going to yam it in your face. So there's a lot of, (laughs) I think this opens the door now and a lot of people have said it. And and, and, and I know I've said it obviously not on this podcast, but just talking off air air or whatever, if he develops a jump shot, it's going to be scary for the rest of this league. And you're seeing it now with, with the stuff he's doing. With, you know, with the, the even just uh, a mid range jump shot and now expanding to three point, uh, three point jump shot. And you mentioned Kyle Corvard. I think Kyle Corvard is a major, major part in that because Giannis is picking Kyle Corvard's brain and Kyle Corvard is one of the best three point shooters of all time. So when you have a guy like that who you're around every day and, and Kyle Corvard can just teach him, you know, some things about shooting. You're, you're already seeing an improvement, uh, five for eight last night for Giannis. I mean, just, I don't know. <laughs> we, we did MVP predictions last week, and, and I think I just totally overlooked Giannis because it's kind of like expected from him now. And he's having a better season than what he was last year. And last year he was the MVP. So I think maybe I need to change my MVP uh, vote a quarter of the way through the season to Giannis.
1: Well, let's not be mistaken. Anthony Davis had a great game last night as well, 36 points, and, and he's having a hell of an MP- MVP campaign as well. I'd, I'd have him top two as well right now, along with Doncic and Harden and all those guys. But, <clears throat> look, we bring up Giannis's perimeter shooting. The funny thing is, they're 25-4, and four, and most of those games, he hasn't shot a lot of threes. He, he made five last night, but usually – for for them, he's not he's not a he's more of a a guy that likes to to take it in the paint. So so even with him not shooting those threes, they're winning games. And you look at I, I think Giannis's three point shooting is going to be needed when you go up against teams like the Los Lakers and the Clippers and all these big time teams. But they're winning without him shooting these shots. So imagine if he shoots like this every every game or every other game or or when they when they most desperately need it. I mean, this guy's going to be ridiculous. And, look, last night was – it's set – you know, last night was just a little preview. Again, it's still early in the season. A lot of NBA games left to play. But I think that that first quarter was crucial for the Bucks, uh, with only allowing the Lakers – and, again, that's when most of the starters are playing, like LeBron and AD. So, to be able to hold them to 17 points was huge for them. And it allowed them to uh, to really get going from the three-point line and from other areas. And, and they set the tone defensively. And I think that was the uh, – that first quarter last night was uh, – obviously, yeah. you have much you – know, you have a lot more basketball to play after that. But I think that was – when you look back at it, I think that was the – the main difference I think tonight, last I think
0: night. that I think also last night the bucks I think were a lot more intrigued for this game yeah I think the lakers were but you heard lebron saying yeah it's just another game yeah I think that's bs on his part I think he's just saying that listen Well they when, just lost to Indiana what, Yeah but when 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 you when you have a game like this I think and it shows both teams lost the game before this uh, the bucks lost to the mavs and 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 the Lakers lost to Indiana. I think it showed both teams were looking ahead to this game. But I think the Bucs wanted it more. Giannis, as the younger player, wanted to show the older guy in LeBron, hey, I'm here. I've arrived. Uh, you even saw that after one of his shots last night. He pretended like he put a crown on his head to saying he's the king. And I think Giannis really wants this. I think uh, losing last season in the in the Eastern Conference Finals has really, really upset him. He this summer something that I particularly like. He didn't he didn't want to work out with other guys on other teams. He wanted to work out either with guys on his team, or he wanted to work out by himself. And it shows that he's not all about you know teaming up and, and doing all this. He want he wants to win this, and I think he's on a mission this season. And he's more pissed off and has a more chip on his shoulder than he did in years past. And it's something that that's gonna be uh, a force to be reckoned with. And I personally I don't see anyone in the Eastern Conference that, that can stop him. Um, yeah, the, the Sixers have have length that can stop him, but they have their own problems and the stuff that, that they need to work on. And when, you, when you're surrounding Giannis with shooters, just like uh, Kyle Corbett, who even though, yeah, last night he only had six points, but guess what? In a final, you know, in a playoff type atmosphere, you're, he's going to give you one or two games in a series. I do believe that he's going to hit five, six threes and hit a, a key three-pointer. Um, You have Brooke Lopez, who's turned into just one of the more better big men that can shoot threes in in the league, really just a sharpshooter out there. Wesley Matthews can shoot. George Hill is not that bad. Chris Middleton, I think, is also the X factor for this team. Last night, 15.6 rebounds, two assists. I think he's going to need to step up his game a little bit uh, come playoff time. But I think last night, I think Giannis just wanted it more. Um, but then again, it's a regular season game in uh, December. Come, you know, May, June, will this game play a big part in that? No, you know, you're going to look back at this game and just say, yeah, the Bucks won. But,
1: you know, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, uh, I think that. Look, getting back to Giannis, I think that. he He doesn't. And thinking about it now, he doesn't have the same success, success story. He had to build his no- own narrative through the league, being a mid-first-round pick, uh, a guy that came over from Greece to play in the NBA. So he doesn't have the same – and, again, he didn't have the same – He wasn't the chosen one. Ro- right. He was, he didn't have the same rookie seasons as guys like Davis and LeBron and and that number one pick and all the hype coming out of of the draft. So he had to build his own narrative and build his own success story. So he, he's coming. I agree with you. He's coming with a chip on his shoulder this season and he has for the past couple of seasons, but I think more than ever with this win last night, again, it's not, it's early in the season and it might not matter much when it comes down to it to but, April yeah. and, and May. Right. But, but Hey, this is a, this is one small step for, yeah for a potential finals preview that we may see and in, I, yeah, in June. Yeah, and I think for the Bucks, it's bigger than the Lakers, also because it gives them a little
0: bit of confidence. But uh, I, I want to go back to a team now that is, again, not in the in the running or contender at all, and really a disappointment this year, and that's the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. This um, The Pelicans are 7-22. They just finally won a game beating the, the Timberwolves. Who are on a big time losing streak, but the, the Pelicans themselves before that win lost 13 straight games. Um, Zion Williamson, the number one pick in this past year's draft, has not played. He uh had knee surgery before the season started. They said six to eight weeks. Well, now the six to eight weeks has passed. He's just now getting back on the court, really still not even. He hasn't, I don't think, has even played scrimmage, you know, 5v5 action yet, not full contact yet, uh, as I believe. There's now questions, will he even play this season? And and to me, I mean, it will be a real disappointment if he doesn't play. But is this concerning to you that Giannis uh, – my bad, not Giannis – Zion has not played yet this season? And, and will he – is this concerning that he might not even play the, the rest of
1: this season? I don't think it's concerning. I think that I really – in my opinion, I really don't think he should play this season, considering look, they're they're bottom of the Western Conference right now. They're even worse than the Warriors right now. So I really don't or excuse me, the Warriors are worse, but but they're second they're they're second to last in the Western Conference. So they're they're sitting at seven and twenty-two right now. They have guys that look you look at a bunch of young guys that had a bunch – you know, had, a, had had potential to to potentially make – not obviously not contend, but we we thought they would sneak in at that eighth spot, maybe the seventh spot for the Western Conference this year. But, look, they're not doing as well as we thought they were going to be. And there's questions about whether Zion's going to be 100%. They're not going to try and r- rush him back if he's not 100%. And, look, he still has – there is questions weight wise when he came into the league. There's question about body fat if he still has a little bit of body fat that he may need to work on and, and uh trim down a little bit. So there's questions with that as well. And right now he's just going through spot up shooting, Alvin Gentry in, in the crew or just working on, you know, light practices right now and not really going through a whole bunch of intense workouts and intense training right now to get to, you know, obviously in hopes that he'll he'll return uh, sometime, but again, I don't think there's a rush to bring him back. And they've, it seems like they've pushed back the days and the and the months and and the weeks to to bring him back. But I don't think it's worth it to to go through all the stress to come back this season when not only could you potentially be re-injured, but there's no point to come back considering they're. At the bottom half of the Western Conference, almost dead last, and also the fact that, look, it's not a huge deal if he comes back because if he comes back and he uh, he tries to make a run for that rookie campaign, uh, rookie of the year campaign, there's you know there's still hope that hopefully he'll he'll end up. I don't think he'll win it because John and Kendrick Nunn and and Hero and all these great rookies and RJ Barrett. Have all made their campaigns already be known, so I don't know. Obviously, he has hype behind his name, and he has a shot to win it. But these guys have already had great seasons. You look at guys that have skipped the season, like Ben Simmons and Blake Griffin, have skipped their rookie seasons uh, for their for their you know for for injuries and and have come back uh, the next season in one rookie of the year. So, in terms of that, that's not the biggest reason uh, to not come back. Obviously, you want the guy to play when when you know you want him to contribute to the team's success, but he's not going to be contributing to the team's success when they're seven and twenty two in the bottom half of the western Conference, but again, he comes back next year uh healthy and when they want to bring him back and and makes a run at that rookie of the year. I think that's the, the better idea uh I have to disagree with you. I think
0: that it it it's concerning to me um it would be different if he's playing in practices and stuff going, you know, full contact, whatever, but he's not even doing that They're, Yeah. They're being very cautious with him. Um, I kind of have to, David Griffin is a, a great executive in this league. I, I have to trust what he's doing, but at the same time, it's very concerning because I don't want to compare him to a guy like Greg Oden, but it does kind of remind me of Greg Oden, a guy who, who's a freak of nature, um, very big. And, and, and for, for the things he does, uh, it would be nice to see him play this year. I think, um obviously, from a fa- fan perspective, everyone wants to see him play. You know, the pelicans are on all, all on these primetime games and now they're getting taken off because they were there because of Zion. But to me, it's very concerning because he's six, eight or 6'9, um two eighty five. and for the things he does, the the athleticism that you know and and the the way he puts his what he puts his body through, this is not college or high school anymore where these are, you know, these are men that you're playing against now in the NBA and you're going to get a beating. And if he's, you know, he had a knee injury in college, he had another injury in summer league. Now he had another injury preseason. It's very concerning that he keeps getting injured and it might, yeah, maybe it is better to keep him out until next season, but at the same time, I think that, to me i i even in that organization i would be concerned that you know he's not progressing along now obviously we don't know everything that's going on maybe he has healed maybe they're just keeping him out a little longer and letting it get you know to 110 percent instead of 100 percent. but it's very concerning to me um on the bright side though i mean you look and and we just talked about the draft with the warriors and knicks and let's say that even if he does come back the doesn't make that big of a swing and if he doesn't come back they get a top five pick again all of a sudden you can you can pair a, a big time guard with um zion and a guy like anthony edwards lamello ball cole anthony someone like that who all of a sudden you have you know your your franchise going forward and and they i think they do probably and trade drew holiday um to a team and let's say they get a draft pick for him and uh you know, there's just a whole bunch of scenarios that, that go into this. Um, it's very interesting. I hope that Zion will be healthy because if he is, I think he, he will be the next coming of this league um, as a star. And we'll, we'll get into – we'll do an episode within the next week about, you know, all-decade team and all of that. And we'll get into for the next decade of 2020s who will be uh, – the next face of this league. And he has the potential of being the face of the league with the, with the Giannis's, with the Lucas, with all of those guys. And I, I just want to see him play, see him be healthy and, and see what he has because I think he, he, he will really be dominant in the
1: NBA. Well, I think that I don't think that what, what, what does concern me is his, his health overall. I think that the track record from him, uh, Mentioned in duke he's he, he's missed some time in, uh, when he was in college uh when he broke through his shoe and and had that uh injury where he had to sit out some games uh but for me i think that it's it's more concerning uh you know for the injury and his track record, record and to, and to see if if that'll continue hopefully not we we hope that it doesn't for for as big as obviously he's received a a whole bunch of hype even before he was even in college even in high school he received a whole ton of hype so obviously it's it's a lot of hype you know even a guy like LeBron we haven't seen as much hype like this since LeBron so look this guy's health concerns me but it doesn't really concern me whether he comes back this season or not I don't think And me personally, I still don't think he should come back this season. There's no point, really, unless if you're going to bring him back. For me, I think it shows that you want to compete, and they don't. They don't because Zion will definitely.
0: I'll interrupt you there, Um, and I and I'll disagree with you again there, and, and I see this a different way bring them back and just let them get adjusted to league i mean this is like i just said this is not college this is not high school you're, you're going against grown men um a lot of these guys are 10 years older than you uh five to 10 years older than you and that's a big difference uh even though yeah he's much bigger than some of these guys but at the same time and- when you're driving through the lane these guys are on the to hip check you and, and give you a bump and you're going to end up on the floor compared to where in college you're slamming it down and you're not getting. And the couple times that he did, it seemed like he got injured. Um, so to me, I think putting him out there this year, yeah, just even if it's for the last couple months of the season, just minimal minutes, even, if you're that concerned about his, his health and everything, if you're just bringing him off the bench and giving him minimal minutes, it won't hurt him. Yeah. It can hurt him. You, you know, you can come back at me and say, yo, it well, can hurt him. He can get hurt. Well, guess what? Then if you're going to play that whole, game with him his whole career then you know then what's the point of him playing at all you know it's just it's something that they need to be very careful about and if there's any gm in the league that i think i, I trust more than anyone it's probably david griffin i mean there's a couple of gms in the league that are, are very cautious with the you know and, and good gms and alvin gentry is a great coach i think and so i think he's in a good situation and, and the guys that are not going to misuse him that organization but it's it's to me it's just concerning to, to think about that he he just not um I would think that he would already been back by now who knows maybe the record of 7-22 and does play a part in that because I think they thought they would maybe co- uh, compete for a, a a playoff spot and maybe they're just holding him out now because of the record but I don't know I just it's it it's something to look at for me and there's a reason we're yeah. talking about it you know it's it's not like a it's not like we're not talking, you know. it's they're, they're, If it wasn't that big of a deal, we wouldn't be talking about it right now, and, and neither would you know, a lot of the media. It, you know, it, it people are talking about it, so it's just it's it's a it's a not only for me, but I know a lot of people. It's a concern for that he he hasn't even got back into five v five v practice.
1: Yeah, I mean it is concerning, but again, the, we're talking about Zion Williamson here. We're not talking about any you know we're not talking about uh uh i don't know a, a late uh late lottery pick or we're not talking about uh wh- whatever we're talking about zion williamson a number one pick that look i don't see why he would need to i still don't see the need need to play him i mean i'll, I'll keep reiterating it i think that look uh guys like ben simmons and blake griffin that i mentioned before sat out a season and they came back and played just fine both won rookie of the year Uh, blake griffin uh uh put up 22.5 points per game uh in his rookie season when he came back ben simmons put up 15.8 so they don't need they don't a guy like zion doesn't need you know doesn't need to play out this season to adjust to the league. I think he's more than ready to to take on the league when he comes back. And look, it's it's concerning with uh, I I didn't disagree with the fact that it's concerning with his injury. Uh I think that his his injury is very concerning because he's he's already injured himself once before in college, so you have to take it very uh very cautious and I think the the Pelicans are doing the right thing. Uh but again, just the with the team's state right now, and and again, you could bring him back for minimal minutes. I agree, you could, but in the long run, again, with those minimal minutes, you still risk injury, and you don't know what type of play. Again, we haven't seen him, uh, you know, playing NBA game yet, so we don't we don't know if he'll be an injury prone Greg Oden or yeah. No, I, uh, a Der- or a Derrick Rose or or whoever you may, and again, no no hate to Derrick Rose, still putting up good numbers as a veteran in the league. But you you look at some of those guys and and you really, if you play him, you you there's there's risk involved in that. So yeah, but uh
0: yeah,
1: I, uh,
0: with that, I mean that's that's pretty much it for me. Any last? points or anything you have on on anything that anything that's caught your eye since uh over this last week in the nba
1: or that pretty much it uh that'll pretty much wrap it up uh we have nba christmas day games coming up yeah that should be great to watch i laughed actually when i saw the warriors in there because and the pelicans This was prank. obviously made and the pelicans are in there so two teams that we've talked about so it's it's pretty funny that both of them are are uh are are showcased in a team like the Heat or another
0: um, upcoming yeah, yeah. team isn't isn't isn't
1: but again they, they make those before and you can't you can't control that but it's just kinda of funny when I saw the Warriors and, and teams like them and the Pelicans in there it's just kinda of funny yeah, for me but th- there should be some we'll good enjoy games. It. yeah. Well exactly with the Clippers and the Lakers that's prime time right there.
0: Yes, but, uh, yeah. But yeah, um, just to let you guys know, we are going to have two episodes coming out next week. Uh, obviously with 2019 ending, that's the end of this decade. So we're going to do a, a episode uh, just dedicated to an all decade team. We're going to come out with um, top moments from the decade, stuff like that throughout the NBA that has happened from 2010 to 2019. Um, a lot has happened from you start at the beginning of the decade with LeBron and the Heatles and, you go into the Warriors and the Cavs and everything that's gone on. So we'll, we'll commemorate that and get into that. And then we'll have our normal uh, Saturday episode that we'll be dropping. Just we'll go over the Christmas Day games and all of that. But with that, I just want to wish everyone a happy Christmas, happy Hanukkah, happy holidays to everyone. And, uh, yeah, we'll get back at you uh, next week. All right. Okay, guys, peace out.
1: Peace.